Hi, Green Junkie. I'm your host, Stephanie Moran. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Alex Stanley about sustainable fashion and how defining your unique style and personality can help you reduce overconsumption and become a more conscious consumer. Alex is a personal stylist with 17 years of experience in the fashion industry. She works with busy professional women and moms who feel stuck in a style rut. She helps you adopt a more sustainable and individualized approach to fashion so that you can look and feel good about your style choices as opposed to just like everyone else. If you love hearing new ways you can reduce your impact on the environment, please subscribe to the Green Junkie podcast on whatever platform you get your podcasts. That way you never miss another green living episode. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to dive in a little bit more on on sustainable fashion and being a personal stylist. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I guess my first question is just tell me about yourself. When did you start living a more sustainable lifestyle and, you know, about yourself on a personal level, a little bit about your family? Yeah, sure. I um, I lived in the UK in a city called St Albans, which is just outside of London. Um, I am a mum so to one little feisty three-year-old um, <laughs> who keeps me on my toes <laughs> and, and also a wife as well to um, a husband that also keeps me on my toes. Um, <laughs> so it's a, it's a busy life. And I think for me, I started to, I've always really cared about the environment. I think Growing up, I decided I wanted to be a vet um, when I was really young because I always, you know, cared about animals and about the planet and everything else. And then I soon realized that wasn't really my strength and went down a completely different avenue um, into fashion. But for me, I really started to make some changes to my lifestyle when I had my daughter. When I was on maternity leave, um, I think having kids does that to you. It makes you reevaluate Um, all of your values and obviously you start to consider how you want them to grow up and the world that you want to kind of leave behind for their children and I had some quite questionable habits when it came to shopping (laughs) having worked in the fashion industry for um, such a long time so for me it's been quite a gradual process and you know I'm not an eco-warrior and I don't profess to know everything there is about um about living a sustainable lifestyle but for me it's about making really small changes that collectively will hopefully make a really big impact that's wonderful I love it (laughs) I think I started my journey very similar to yours where I was pregnant and I want I wanted to make changes and you're absolutely right I think a lot of people when they become parents they start questioning so many things and they're not only responsible for themselves anymore. There's another little human that they need to be responsible for. Right. So I think a lot of parents start questioning things when they have kids. So your daughter's three. So when you were pregnant is when you started diving into sustainability and you've been a personal stylist for 17 years. So were you a personal stylist and then along your journey started implementing sustainable practices into your business, like with, with style? Yeah, so I've actually, um, I've only had my personal styling business for since my daughter was born. So kind of oh, okay. about two and a half years, but I've worked in the fashion industry um, as a fashion buyer for the rest of that time. So I've kind of been 
um, in the thick of things, um, you know, working with um, some of the biggest high street retailers in the UK, like Marks and Spencer, Amazon, and have really seen firsthand, you know, the detrimental impact that the fashion industry has on the environment. And I've traveled a lot, you know, traveled the world sourcing those products from the Far East um, and from Turkey and closer to home. And I think although I worked for businesses that had had an environmental or sustainable policy in place, you know, that was really important to me to work for businesses that had those kind of credentials. Um, I don't think anyone's doing a particularly amazing job on that front, <laughs> if we're honest. And I think for me in starting my own business, um, it was obviously really important for me to consider my own values. And I had kind of been on my own journey with, with this. So I really wanted to share that with other women. Um, and the more that I work in this role as a personal stylist, the more I realized that you know, it's so much more than the clothes. And actually a lot of it comes down to confidence and a lot of it comes down to mindset. And that's where the foundations for being a more conscious consumer come from um, and really identifying like what makes you tick and what works for you rather than being a slave to the trends. Right. And so you're in the fashion industry for 17 years and then you transition to personal stylist. What, what triggered you to decide that the life in the fashion industry, you know, that you talked about to now I'm going to work for myself and I'm going to be a personal stylist and I'm going to be able to decide how I want to run the show. And I want to be more sustainable in that process. Like what triggered that for you? So I would always had a kind of long-term ambition to, to have my own business. And for me, being a personal stylist kind of married um, two key like purposes for me. So, you know, I am still very passionate about fashion and um, I think it's amazing how you can kind of transform your confidence with getting to know what works for you personally. And I think becoming a mum can give you a crisis of confidence and you can kind of lose your identity. Um, And I felt really passionate that the piece that was missing for me from working in the industry as a buyer was being able to help other women um, and help other people to feel good about themselves and to feel like I was making a difference. Um, And I think everyone has this conception of fashion that, you know, it's really frivolous and um, really materialistic, but I think there's so much more to it than that. And then the sustainability piece obviously um, came into it because I was reevaluating what was really important to me. And what do you, in your own words, define a sustainable fashion? Because I mean, there's a gazillion, you know, <laughs> ways to define it. I have my way of defining it. And I'm just wondering, what, how do you define sustainable fashion? And how do you look at it? I think for me, it's just um, having more consideration for people and planet. Um, and really, from a business perspective, and for, you know, fashion brands, it's about them having the right intentions because you know the fashion industry as a whole is not is not sustainable <laughs> you know it's not a business <laughs> model that is ever going to be sustainable but i think it's just about having those those intentions and about considering people and planet because um you know if we carry on as we are then we're not going to you know we're not going to survive <laughs> so i think that that's the crux of it for me And so as a stylist and, you know, being passionate about the environment and the planet, how do you marry those, those two things together when it comes to your business? So when you are styling somebody, are you recommending 
like, let's say secondhand clothing um, that might fit their style or, and are you recommending maybe sustainable brands that, like you said, are better for people, better for the planet, that are ethical, that, you know, are not, that are not unethical, that are ethical brands. Is that how you bring in that sustainable piece into your business? The old gods have fallen and the world descends into turmoil. But amidst nations rallying their armies, a nefarious cult hellbent on chaos and the new gods attempting to seize control of it all. A spark of hope arises. We are the agents of repair, and we vow to contest these evils. To make the world a better place, no matter what stands in our way. Listen to Venture Forth, a D&D podcast across all podcasting platforms. Yes, definitely. That's a big part of it. But I think the most important part of it is maximizing what you've already got in your existing wardrobe. I think there's a common misconception that a personal stylist is going to come into your house and tell you to like completely start all over again and like throw out all of your clothes that you've got. Um, And for me, at least that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think um, the most important part of the kind of foundation of how I work with my clients is really getting to grips with um, what their style personality is and what works for their body shape and what colors work for them. And then we kind of feed that into their existing wardrobe. So we really make sure that we're creating as many outfits as we possibly can from what they've already got in their wardrobe. And then we create a wish list of pieces that I feel will help them to, again, maximize what they've already got and just pull it all together. And for those pieces from that wish list um I would absolutely start with recommending you know pre-loved and secondhand um sources and also brands that I deem to be um ethical and sustainable in their nature and are you also like mix matching so like let's say I'm not a big stylist just gonna be honest I'm a leggings person right now but let's say they have like a really nice shirt and they have like a couple of pair of pants. Do you show them different ways that they can incorporate that shirt with those, with that skirt, with those pants? So they're making multiple kind of outfits versus this shirt goes with these pants. Then this shirt goes with this skirt. Are you kind yeah. of like mix matching as well? Because I mean, that would come more as well as like fall into, I, I, I would think personally would fall more into that sustainable fashion because you're not just limiting yourself to, I can only wear this shirt with those pants where yes. you're really trying to mix match. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think one of the the biggest um, pieces of advice that I give to my clients and everybody that's in my Facebook group and on my social media is really to not restrict yourself and say like, you know, this item is my is for my workwear wardrobe and this item is for my casual wardrobe and I'm saving this for Beth. I just encourage clients to completely throw that notion out of the window and to think, you know, instead, this is my wardrobe. Um, And I really encourage them to mix and match those items. So, for example, a lot of people think a blazer is like a really formal piece and it can only be worn for the office or for, you know, very formal settings. And I always encourage my clients, actually, no, this is a great, you know, really versatile piece that you can wear with your distressed boyfriend jeans and you can dress up your casual dresses and, you know, all of these kind of things. So it's just really thinking about your lifestyle and how you need your wardrobe 
um, to work for you and to serve you rather than the other way around. And then when it comes to like, say somebody you're dealing with a client and they have like a lot of clothes, let's say, and they want to have more of a minimalist closet. And I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of maybe something you do encourage a little bit because I think people get overwhelmed with the amount of clothing they have and then yeah. they don't know what to wear. And I, I could be wrong, but like, I think that's how a lot of people are when there's yeah. too many options. They just kind of are a deer in the headlights. Right. So do you also kind of minimize their wardrobe a little bit? Kind of like you don't need this many t-shirts unless it's like a, your pajamas or, Hey, how about we try to maybe eliminate this from your wardrobe and not have as many options. So then when you do put something on, you do feel good in what you're wearing. I think it's a fine balance because I think I'm also mindful of, you know, the amount of clothing that ends up in landfill. Um, So I do mend, um, you know, like you said, you can't see the wood for the trees if you've got um, too much in your wardrobe. Um, But I think I (laughs) I approach it more from a, do you wear this? Um, Are you going to wear this? Does this fit you? Rather than thinking like you've got 10 t-shirts and really you only need five just to be mindful of the fact that, you know, if you are still wearing that or, you know, it's something that you think you will wear in the future or how can we incorporate that into your wardrobe if you're not wearing it Um, and kind of using that as a starting point. And then absolutely we do have a colour of things which no longer serve the client um, because of fit or because of various other reasons. And then we'll think about what's the best way to then extend the life cycle of those clothes so it might be alterations it might be taking them to the charity shop it might be selling them on resale platforms like ebay and that kind of thing so i always try and make sure that it's really considered and and i love that because i think people sometimes have this notion that when they put something like in the trash it's like it's away and i'm always like where do you think that away is where <laughs> yeah. do you think that actually goes it doesn't just like disappear <laughs> so i think I, I love that balance that you have where it's yes having a big wardrobe probably isn't amazing maybe for your mental health but then mm-hmm. finding that balance of like how can we still keep the clothing you have but then maybe there's some stuff you don't wear like if someone has 10 t-shirts and they're legit wearing those 10 t-shirts all the time well of course keep it but if yeah. you're not wearing them and they're hanging in your closet is there some someone out there that might benefit from this. And like you said, donations and reselling. And I think that's a really important component of fashion is the donation and then the reselling. And so for you, I have my opinions about donation, donate, donating stuff and then reselling. Do you, do you feel that reselling an item? How do I word this? Do you feel that reselling an item, you know, to somebody is better than donating. And what I mean by that is um, because often when you donate stuff, people don't donate stuff that's in great condition. So then it ends up in the landfill anyway. And I don't think people realize that. But when you're reselling, somebody is taking the the action of, I want this shirt for $10. Yeah, I I definitely get your viewpoint on that. I mean, I, I work very closely with charities that are local to me. And A, it's like in a really important part of my purpose to support those charities. But B, I also really want to encourage people not just to donate, to actually go and shop as well, because it's all very well like donating. But if you're not shopping as well, then like you say, it's going to 
um, end up in landfill anyway. Um, so I think a big part of my what I see as my purpose and what I see as my role is to encourage people and show them like these are the kind of amazing pieces that you can find in your local charity shop. Um, and I've done quite a lot of um, pre-loved fashion events where I've um, talked about the trends for the season. But instead of sourcing products from new, like from the high street and that kind of thing, then I've got all of the products from my local charity shop. And I've said to them, like, you know, look at these amazing things that you can find that that fit those current trends. And they're a fraction of the retail price of something that you'd buy new. But you're also um, extending the life cycle and you're supporting the charity um, at the same time as well. So I think a lot of it is also about changing the misconception, if you like, of of what a charity shop offers and what you can find there. And I think that stigma is definitely changing, at least in the UK. Um, and people are a lot more excited about shopping in charity shops and the bargains that you can find. But I think there is still an element of snobbery around, you know, that's not for me and, you know, it's for old people or, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I agree. I 100% agree. So to give you an example, um, my daughter has a friend and we go thrifting and we, my daughter loves thrifting because she can get more for her money, right? She's 11 and she's realized that I can get maybe a couple of shirts and instead of just one, right? Because yeah. when we do buy stuff, it's always from ethical brands and sustainable brands. So it is going to cost more. Hmm. Um, with that said, um, she can't always try everything on because where we thrift, they kind of took away <laughs> changing rooms about two years ago. Um, when the whole pandemic hits and they have not put them back yet. So she can't necessarily try anything on. So it's always kind of like a hit or miss. And we kind of look at the clothing, like, do we really think this is going to fit? Is this the style you really are looking for? And we're doing a pretty good job at it. I must say when we, we are thrifting, but she bought this dress that was so cute, but she's built like me with a really wide back. And so it just didn't fit her. And so she had a friend over and I said, Hey, this dress is so cute. Like if you want it, take it. Um, it doesn't fit EJ. And you know, she loves the dress and it would probably fit you because you're like, like little, you're tiny. <laughs> and so she took it and she really liked it, but she gave it back because her parents were like, no, no, we're not, we're not taking that. So I don't know if it was, they thought it was a charity that I was just like, here's our old clothing. Or if it was, we don't take secondhand clothing. We only buy new. So there definitely is that element of people, you know, the stigma to secondhand clothing, like it's gross. And, you know, I've had other people tell me their friends are like, no, no, I could never wear clothing that someone else wore. And I'm like, you do realize the clothing that you try on in the store, somebody had on at some point, yeah. <laughs> it's like not brand new. So I, I do agree. There is still that stigma of like, ooh, gross, but then there's so many luxury resale sites out there. Like if you love Chanel or you love those top brands, you can buy that stuff at like a fraction of the price. Mm. And it's insane. They're in good condition and you get to wear your Gucci and all that kind of stuff, but you're not, um, you're not having, you're not putting the demand on the fashion industry by buying new all the time. Right. So the less that we buy new, the less that's going to hopefully be produced in the long run. So that was a long winded story, but mm -hmm. I hundred percent agree with you that it's changing that mindset for people and saying like, Hey, you can get some really cool stuff and unique stuff and mm. high end stuff and not have to have that big price tag on it. Definitely. And I think that's such an important point as well around being unique um, because certainly the clients that I work with, they don't want to look like everybody else. And I think 
you know, everyone that shops, particularly in like, I don't know if it's the same um, where you are, but in the UK, like everybody shops in Zara and everyone shops in H&M. Right. Everyone looks the same. Everyone looks like a carbon copy of each other. And a lot <laughs> of the clients that I work with, they don't want that. They want to look like them and, you know, they want to find what their unique style is. And that's the amazing thing about pre-love because you're very unlikely to turn up in the same dress um, as somebody else at a wedding or at the office or whatever, if you've found it secondhand, you know, in a charity shop or on a pre-love site or that kind of thing. And you can really start to create your own unique style. And I think that's really empowering for a lot of women as well. And one more question I have is, do when you start working with a client, when you start working with a woman about their style, do you let them know that, hey, this is how I work. I'm going to you know, recommend like pre-loved and secondhand clothing, um, sustainable fashion brands. If this is not something that you're interested in, we might not be a good partnership. Is that like something you talk about before they start the journey with you just for like full transparency? Because like we talked about, some people might be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Everything you're telling me. And now I have to go thrifting and like buy like pre-loved clothing. Like that might not be for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm in everything that I talk about. It's um, the foundation kind of to my business. So I think anybody that chooses to work with me would be, you know, quite well aware that that's my focus. But I think um, as an aside to that, I'm also realistic as well. And I also am happy to help people to start um where they're at so if people aren't yet comfortable with secondhand for example then I'll show them like what they can find but if they're still not comfortable with that at the point that I'm working with them then I'll instead you know focus on sustainable fashion brands that you know for newness um if you like and then maybe look at more premium pre-love sellers where things tend to be like new with tags and things like that so you're gradually helping people to adjust um their habits rather than having to go all in and kind of take them to a charity shop which is kind of the other end (laughs) the extreme um so I think you do have to meet people where they're at and like I said at the beginning I'm such a huge believer that just a few small changes will make a huge difference so even just the very nature of working with me and starting to learn what works for them and just being more considered so they're not going out every weekend buying into newness that they really don't need and that really doesn't work for them that's a huge change um in my eyes and that will help um to reduce um you know overconsumption and those kind of things and is part of your like mission and part of what you do to go with the women to show them what they can get at like a secondhand store thrift store you go with them to pick their clothing or is it really this is what I recommend now you kind of go do it yourself it's definitely part of what I do. So um, I've actually taken a lot of my stuff online and um, because of COVID and because of the restrictions that we had. And then I'm gradually starting to um, go back out to the shops with people as well. But I think where people have quite busy lifestyles, often they will choose to do like an online shopping experience versus an in-store. So in those instances, I will shop the charities online um, or I'll use ebay or depop or vinted and you know all of those great resale platforms and then i've got a brand directory full of like instagram pre-love sellers and people like that where i can recommend and i basically do the shop for them online and i create lookbooks for them using um secondhand pieces so 
they're definitely not kind of left to their own devices um, in one way or another. I help them like on that journey. And my last question for you is what is one tip for someone that's listening that might not really thrift, might not really be into sustainable fashion yet? What is one tip to help them kind of move that needle to start on that journey? What is one thing that they could do today? Great question. I've got <laughs> so many. Um, I mean, I think the whole concept of, of starting with your wardrobe first is is really important. And at the beginning of the season, when we all get carried away with the new trends and we're you know enticed by social media and all of these other influences, I think it's always shopping your wardrobe first. And quite often, you know, I've certainly found it working in, in the industry for the amount of time that I have that those trends are so cyclical and they just come back around and they're just slightly re-engineered um, each year. So I think taking that inspiration from wherever you get your inspiration, like Pinterest or Instagram or whatever it is, and um, looking at your own wardrobe first and seeing if you can pull together that kind of look from what you've already got. And then if you haven't got those pieces, creating a bit of a wish list for that season and then using that to inform your shopping, whether that's new or whether that's um, secondhand or um, rental or that kind of thing. Um, just having that more intentional process with your shopping and with your style I think is a really great place to start and then you can start setting up alerts on eBay and places like that for those pieces that you know you are actually missing from your wardrobe um, and start kind of gradually um, implementing some more pre-loved pieces. That's great, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on. So where can people find you? And I know you have um, something you wanted to, to offer to talk about with the audience, but like where can they find you? Where can they on social media, your website and all that fun stuff? Um, so my business is called Lux Leopard Lifestyle, which is a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's my handle on Instagram. And I also have a private Facebook group, um, which I absolutely love. It's like such a supportive community of women who are all on their journey with their style and with sustainability. And we all share our experiences and our tips and our outfits and it's really fun and we do like style challenges and stuff like that so you can find that um on facebook um in the groups and it's um style confidence with lux leopard lifestyle um and then i also have a website where you can find out more about me as well and that's luxleopardlifestyle.co.uk um so they're the main places where you'll find me I'm going to put everything in the show notes. So if you're listening and you're driving or whatever that is, and you can't write everything down, everything will be in the show notes. So you can go click and find Alex on the internet and follow along on her journey. I love this conversation. It was really, really great. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to have you on again. We should, it would be really cool. is like, if we did like a live recording of you, like helping me with my wardrobe or something, that would yeah, be, super that cool. would be amazing. <laughs> That could be like a cool experience, just like a tidbit of what, what it's like to, you know, fix up your wardrobe a little bit. That could be super fun. So thank you again yeah. for coming, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. So if you want to stay connected with me on Instagram, you can follow me at the Green Junkie Podcast or at This Is Stephanie Warham. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Junkie Podcast on whatever, whatever platform you're listening on. For more green living inspiration, you can check out a couple of other episodes. Number 38, Sustainable Fashion A to Z with Carly Heiser. 
Number 33, Creating Sustainable Business with Sarah Hiltenberger. Episode number 30, Changing the Fashion Game with Camille Lee. And finally, a solo episode number 23, Closet Cleanup. If you're curious about reducing your environmental impact as an individual or as a business, I've got you covered. For direct access to me, your sustainability consultant and green living expert, you can click the link in the show notes where you can ask me a question and get a customized plan on how you can live a more green lifestyle as an individual or how to implement sustainable strategies into your business for a positive climate. Hop on a one-on-one call with me or ask me your questions via email if Zoom is not your thing. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday, Green Junkie.